I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Hello and welcome back to Vet Sessions. My name is Dr. Tiffany Dursey and I will be your host for today. Today in the studio, we have a fellow classmate, Dr. Andrea Jones-Bitten. She is here today to speak to us about a very important topic, self-compassion. Andrea is a veterinarian, an epidemiologist, and an associate professor in the Department of Population Medicine, and she's the Director of Wellbeing Programming for the Ontario Veterinary College at the University of Guelph. She's here today to talk to us about a very important topic, as I said, self-compassion. Hi, Andrea. Nice to see you. Hello, Tiffany. Nice to see you. So Andrea Omar and I, we graduated from OVC way back in 2000. Go Dragons. Go Dragons. Before we get started, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your veterinary journey and how it is that you started studying the epidemiology of mental wellness and veterinary professionals and farmers? Sure. So all the way through vet school, I thought I would always be small animal practitioner. I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah, I had no interest in coming back to graduate school. I practiced small animal medicine in the greater Toronto area for about a year and a half and started thinking about graduate school for a number of reasons. Uh, came back and did a PhD in epidemiology. Right. Um, then I moved out to Newfoundland and Labrador and I taught epidemiology at the medical school there. I was a faculty member there. And then a position opened up here at the OVC, which I consider my home. So I was happy to come back here. I studied the epidemiology of foodborne, waterborne, and zoonotic disease for many years. Okay. And as part of that, I got to work with farmers and people in agriculture, and of course with fellow veterinarians, and started noticing the mental health struggles that these populations were experiencing, and decided to take my epidemiology skills and start to look at the epidemiology of mental health and well-being. That's fascinating, because I, I don't know that this is a very well-studied area, and so it's really interesting that you thought to, to explore that further. Yeah, and, and I guess it's, it's hard to tell with this pandemic time, timeline, but it's been mm-hmm. about six or so years now. And when I look back, it's, it's nice to see how much the vet profession and the agricultural industry has started to look at these issues. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you don't know what you're not looking for. So the reality is, is that it's good that we're actually investigating a little bit further about mental health. Mm-hmm. So back to today's topic, we wanted to talk a little bit about Mm self-compassion. And when I think about self-compassion, I think about just being nice to myself. I don't know if that's accurate, but what exactly does self-compassion mean? That's a great question. So I think there's kind of this misunderstanding that self-compassion is is kind of being overly kind to oneself and, and indulgent, right? Like, I've had a rough day, I'm going to order takeout, I'm going to have a bubble bath, I'm going to veg out in front of Netflix for several hours. But that's actually not what it is. Self-compassion is actually work. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and so self-compassion recognizes we're humans, right? We make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that can be really, really hard for veterinarians and vet technicians and, and people who work in service industries, especially involving animals. Yeah. And when we make a mistake, for a lot of people, it can be really crushing, right? It's almost like we have this belief, this inaccurate belief that we need to be superheroes, right? Perfect superheroes. Yeah. And so for some people, when they make a mistake, that's really hard, right? And they beat themselves up over it. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about it days later, maybe weeks later. 
And the problem is, is that it doesn't do much to motivate us Mm -hmm. and it doesn't do much for our well-being and it doesn't put us in the best place to continue to do what we do. So self-compassion is basically recognizing there's three components and, and Dr. Kristen Neff, this is her model. She's at the University of Texas at Austin. And so she would say there's three components. So one is self-awareness. Wow. I'm recognizing this is a really cruddy time. Mm -hmm. Like this sucks what happened, right? I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) but that's That's what it is. The, The second aspect is common humanity. Hey, you know what? I'm not the only veterinarian this has happened to. Sure. Right? This I, other other vets make mistakes. This was a difficult case and other people have difficult cases too. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're not isolating ourselves in in that mistake. And then the third one is self-kindness, right? So how would you treat to a friend or how would you talk yeah. to a friend rather? I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's true. Chances are you wouldn't be like, hey, Tiffany, you idiot. Like, yeah. how would you do that? Right? Absolutely. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope somebody wouldn't say that to me. Yeah. yeah so true. it's it's really treating ourselves with the kindness that we need. And, and again, that is going to help us problem solve better, right? right? And when we when we deal with the emotion instead of hiding from it, or getting carried away with it and dwelling in it, then we're in a better place to problem solve and move forward. Okay, that was a tough case. I'm going to let that go now. I'm going to learn from it. What can I do next time differently, if anything? And that seems to be the hardest part. I mean, you know, speaking on behalf of of, of myself and my experiences, um, you know, again, not that I'm necessarily a perfectionist, but I think that because in this industry, as you said, you know, it it is a service industry and we care so much about the animals and the people that we work Mm -hmm. with and the families that these pets uh, uh, live with. And we believe in the human animal bond. It can be very difficult Mm -hmm. when, um, you know, when something happens and we just want things to be okay. And we're used to fixing things. And when we can't, I think, it is very very sad but but it does sound a little bit like forgiveness as well where you're trying to forgive yourself and move on yeah it is and it's it's that like not self-flagellating right and just beating ourselves up over and over and living in it um and it and that again may puts us in a better place so we can continue to show up right and we can continue to show up in your case for the animals for the clients in my case for the students or the people i research with right sure yeah and so in the end it's better for you and it's better for the people and the animals you serve um so why is it important for veterinary professionals to have self-compassion then and you've answered some of that but um but why why is it so important is it that um it will either deter us from continuing to be compassionate individuals or potentially that uh, we'll have some self-harm or where does that go Yeah I mean certainly if you're if you're expecting perfection of yourself we know that's pretty much unattainable right. um and if you're beating yourself up a, a, about a mistake that you've made that's going to add to your stress and veterinary medicine, as wonderful as a profession it is, it also has its own share of stresses. We don't need sure. to be adding to that, right? Um, and we know that those stresses and that um, feeling feeling hopeless or feeling helpless, w- w- you know, when we're beating ourselves up, we're adding to that. And that sets us up for, for more mental health issues. So it's interesting that you said that it, you know, uh, being perfect or perfectionism is not uh, obtainable. And I mean, it's so great to hear that. But in my mind, although I say I'm not a perfectionist, I, I do want success with my cases. Um, it's always, you know, a bit of a, uh, your heart kind of um, falls a little bit when you walk into the clinic the next day and the vet that was on at the early shift potentially has a pet that you've seen the day before and you look at it and think, oh, oh no, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Or you see a surgery that returns and you think, oh no, what did I do wrong in, in 
you know, there's a little bit of that panic that kind of sets in, even though I graduated 20 years ago. And, and the reality is, and, and I've said this to the students, is that statistically, um, you know, after 20 years of surgeries, there's going to be, unfortunately, some some things that don't go your way. Yeah, absolutely. From day one to your last day, things sure. don't always go as planned, right? And so it, it's not about saying like, oh, well, made a mistake and moving on, right. right? That's not what it is either. It's recognizing holy, like that is a moment of pain. Like yeah. I am feeling really disappointed or I'm feeling really sad in this. And there's one tendency to just ignore painful feelings. Okay. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to kind of shove that to the side, right? Sure. If anybody's tried that, anybody who's listening, chances are those emotions don't actually go away, right? Okay. They kind of accumulate and they'll come back to bite you at some point, mm-hmm. right? The other end of that spectrum is that beating yourself up, right? right? What an idiot. I can't believe I did that. Everybody else is better than me. These are some of the, the things I'm hearing from our research participants, right? Right. So we don't want to hide from the emotion and we don't want to run away with the emotion either. We just kind of want to sit and be with it, right? Okay, yeah, this is a moment of pain. Okay, I'm not the only veterinarian who's made this mistake. You know, what do I need to do for myself right now? And then when you're in a better spot where you've dealt with that emotion, then it's, okay, what can I learn here? Is there anything I can learn? Is there anything I can do differently? Is there a new process we can institute in the clinic? Okay. And, and, and that sounds like a really great idea. I know here at the vet school, when we do have something that goes awry, there is actually a formal process. And I think when I first heard that, I was a little bit, you know, um, shocked and worried. But the reality is, is it does allow for growth. And I think a growth mindset is really important. Um, and certainly most people in the industry do, but it's looking at, you know, what could you do better next time? And how can we avoid this? And, and how do we work through this? Yeah, uh, But it can be difficult, right? Definitely. And that's why I think the more seasoned vets, if that, if I can call you that sure. and, and the, the props <laughs> and the people in the clinics, when they take a moment to stop and say, Oh yeah, like I'm kind of, I'm, I need to process that. I need to deal with that. You're actually right. setting a good example, right? Because we don't want the new generation of vets to think we're not allowed to make mistakes or if we make mistakes, we don't talk about it. Right. Because you're right. We do get the growth from, from talking about it. So when, when our awesome seasoned vets take a Mm -hmm. moment to say, Hey, let's talk about what happened there. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, let's process that. Let's deal with that. And then we can move forward. Right. And I I think myself, I think the, um, the difficulty often is the processing. (laughs) Um, and I think it's because, um, again, from a clinical perspective, you're just used to going from appointment to appointment, to appointment, to appointment. So there's this kind of speediness about everything and you feel like you have to make decisions so quickly um, that you're quite right. Like, you know, the old phrase that, you know, just sleep on it. um, Sometimes it probably is good to take some time and and, and process things and and think about it. And but but as you said, not mull on it too long that it's not helpful. um, And then, of course, it's harming yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I I have heard of some some clinics and and rotations where they'll have a set time like midweek and at the end of the week. Okay, hey, let's talk about that case. Right. Right. And here's how I dealt with that. You know, how are you dealing with it? Is anybody still processing that? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I I like the word processing. So I think I think that's really interesting. Um, So what can we do to help ourselves and others in the workplace or at vet school? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Give us the answer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is. So, so again, I mean, so much of, 
so much of veterinary medicine and some of the stressors we face come down to communication, right? right? It's, you know, it's busy, appointment, 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 the emergency walks in, the surgery goes Mm -hmm. wrong. You know, it's a, it can be a tense environment. So I think learning to, to um, communicate well and to understand each other in those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, One of our research participants shared that they did, um, I've forgotten the name of it now, but they 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 did um, understanding each other's personality and how oh, okay. they handle stress, and so it can be like, oh, okay, it's not that Tiffany's angry with me. That's that's how she deals with this type stress. of yeah. Sure. And then we'll talk about it later instead of letting okay. tensions build, right? So, communication I think is a big one. Modeling good behaviors, right? Taking sure. taking that five minutes break to get yourself hydrated and get some food in you, sure. and not letting that be a sign of weakness like you know some people think oh I can't possibly need to eat or drink yeah um so modeling those good behaviors um talking talking again what we just said talking about okay this is how that case affected me and it's okay if it's affecting you you're human it's expected right yeah and it's you know when I look at it you know we're expected to be very empathetic people as veterinarians which I think on the whole part we are um but but it's interesting when you say the word weakness because um yeah of course like as a leader um in a veterinary team particularly in a teaching hospital I feel like there's this compulsion that I need to be strong and I need to take care of all my little sheep and make sure that everything's okay um but, you know, within that, there are definitely moments where I'm sad or I'm disappointed um, or maybe I'm tired or, you know, exhausted or and mm-hmm. um, and certainly in this day and age, you know, um, clients uh, are paying a lot of money for veterinary medicine. They have a lot of very large expectations. And I think the role of a veterinarian has expanded so much from, oh, has. you know, the, the Harriet kind of model um, yeah. of, you know, doing a little bit. And there's such huge expectations that I think, you know, that that has to impact that. But but certainly the weakness component is something that, you know, I. I would struggle with and it's not and it, it's funny because I, I I don't want to appear like I'm 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 not empathetic or a compassionate person it's just more that I feel like this compulsion that I need to be so strong yeah well and I think there's a couple of things there right because as you said like we very easily can find compassion for the the animals we serve sure we can find the compassion for the client who's attached to that animal right and when it comes to showing compassion for ourselves we're kind of like well, I don't know yeah right um we're not really taught that Uh, and as you said because we're fixers we're more focused on the problem right so one of the things we're doing now at OVC is trying to bring in these these aspects and teach students about things like self-compassion so that we'll have those skills the other part so Dr. Brene Brown is a amazing researcher has written lots of books for mainstream yeah and so she she would argue with you and say actually when you're showing that vulnerability that's showing strength right hiding your emotions and hiding the fact that you're tired or you're sad or you're exhausted maybe that's the weakness right coming forward and saying I'm feeling these things and you know I'm still I'm still moving on and I'm modeling good behaviors to me I would say that's strength well that's good to know Um, so why do you think mental health is such a hot topic in veterinary medicine right now? Because I certainly, you know, graduating 20 years ago, I don't recall there being, I don't know, remind me, we were classmates, I don't remember a discussion at all. And certainly not that we didn't have support from the administration and, you know, OVC. It's just that it wasn't something, you know, everywhere you go now, it's mental health this, mental health that. Um, Not that I don't think that's important, but but why, why in veterinary medicine is that something that's such a hot topic? Yeah, that's also another good question. Um, Certainly, we very regrettably had some high-profile suicides in veterinary Mm -hmm. medicine that I think pushed a lot of people to to start talking. 
Um, I think part of it is uh, we've kind of come to a point as a society where we want to talk about these things now. We want to sort of destigmatize mental health issues. We want to kind of normalize the process. When you look at the statistics, if it's not you that's affected, it's somebody you know that's right. affected, right? And and so I think as a society, we've kind of evolved a bit to, to recognize that. We still have a long way to go, but it, it's much, it's, um, we, we talk about it much more openly now. Um, certainly, as you said, veterinary medicine has changed. In some instances, we see perhaps even stronger human-animal bonds you know, people sure. referring to fur babies and, and yeah, like, true. I'm a dog mom and yeah. and that kind of, th- I'm not a dog mom, I'm a cat person, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, um, sure, that is new. Sure. Yeah, and so, you know, that, that added pressure, I guess, as yeah. you said, like, you're, you're now, you're focusing on the pet and you're focusing on the client and then this crazy, tense, amazing, wonderful human-animal bond between those two, right? And, and you're part of that. Um, I think, you know, cost of medicine is another thing here here in Canada. We uh, don't know how much medicine costs because um, we don't get bills when we go to the MD or we don't get bills when we go to the ER. And so now when clients see bills and and they're higher because our medicine has advanced, um, I think that's an added pressure as well. And then the pandemic itself, my goodness. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the increased number of animals and the workload on the, the veterinary teams. And I mean, that's just a whole other, whole, whole other, other podcast. podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, it seems that during uh, COVID, I mean, certainly the, uh, the number of pets has increased, but unfortunately our veterinary staff hasn't. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, when it gets back to self-compassion, I mean, I think of it in the context of my day that my workload has increased and, and certainly I, I, I want to provide a certain level, um, or standard of care. Um, and again, I want to make sure that the students are attended to and the clients have, you know, um, equal time to ask the questions that they need to of me. But, um, but I, do find that the pressures are increasing and then you know I think I was sharing with you before that I finally after a very very busy uh, morning had a couple of minutes to kind of sit down and and finally take a a bite of a samosa (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and then you know there's a a student that has a question or answering and you know in those moments um, it's difficult because you really I feel like I'm always answering questions and wanting to help and you know my intentions are good but um, you know as we were discussing before to take that self-compassion and say hey I'm just going to take a moment and I'll answer that question a little bit later but somehow you feel guilty about something so simple and so small, like taking a bite of a delicious samosa. Um, but, um, um, but yeah, I find that even it's little things. So not necessarily really huge things like, um, you know, a case that's gone awry or uh, a complaint or something like that. But sometimes it's the little things during the day and taking the time to ensure that you, you know, take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot going on. In yeah, the day. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's and it's looking like you know as a team. I think um, here we've we've had over the years we've tried to have wellness meetings and they sound very fluffy and you know to be honest with you are there a little bit. Um, but I think it's good, like you said, to have these conversations and say, well, what kind of workplace or culture do we want to have? And mm-hmm. um, you know, we too try try to institute this students that it's really important to to take some time and have lunch and go to the bathroom and drink water and relatively leave on time and certainly it doesn't mean leaving a dying animal but you know trying to be efficient and whatnot so yeah absolutely and and that's what we are going to need to see right so yeah um we're starting at the the vet school to teach um individual skill individuals the skills and the knowledge you know things like self-compassion and emotional intelligence and we're talking about thought reframing and those are really powerful and i'm not downplaying them at all like yeah. they've been life-changing for me um but we also need a change in the culture right yeah it, for sure it, 
we can't put all of the onus on individuals. We need to look at the profession as a whole and, and, and what's important to us and, and what do we need to value and what changes do we make to show that we value that. Yeah, and, it, and it's hard, I find, to do that because we're, we're just so so busy, and yeah. especially as the work <laughs> workload has increased, as I said, it, you know, to take the time and to say, hey, like, you know, what do we want this culture to look like and what are the expectations? Um, I find that so challenging. So, so tell me, if you could give a vet student one piece of advice about self-compassion, what would that be? No one expects you to be perfect. That's good. Yeah, no one. Yeah, and, and that's hard, especially these final year students are on, um, you know, the rotations and the demands are so high, they're going from rotation to rotation and the expectations are changing and yeah. I think they feel like they should be. Yeah, no, and, and when you make a mistake, practice that self-compassion and then hopefully you won't be, make the same mistake twice. Sure. Um, and yeah, really it's it's recognizing you're human and that is all we expect of you. <laughs> you know, it's hard because intuitively, like I, I know that and I'll say that to the students myself and well, don't worry, like we're all going to make mistakes. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, whoo, I better, I hope I don't make that mistake. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and, and is that wrong to feel that? That sometimes you feel like, oh gosh, like it's unfortunate. And of course you give advice to your friends that have, yep. you know, but, um, but certainly you're like, whoo, I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, well, and, and I, yeah, because again, we're not saying that it, you're going to feel fine when you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. It's not getting caught up in that and not beating yourself up about it, right? And, sure. and listening to those thoughts that you're saying, right? So mm-hmm. is it, I made a mistake or I'm a failure, right? right? right. I have failed or I am a failure. Right. Do you jump to, well, clearly I'm not cut out for this. Clearly mm-hmm. I'm an idiot, right? And it's catching those thoughts. That's where we say, no, 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 like we're, we're drawing the line here. You made a mistake. It doesn't mean your entire career is now in jeopardy. Right, right. <laughs> right. And, right. So, and so mm-hmm. reframing, reframing those thoughts. Yeah, and that, that's, that's hard to do. And so that's really, that's great that you're t- teaching the vet students to do that from an early, early age. Maybe yeah. we can attend those classes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back. So, <laughs> um, so is self-compassion is something that we can learn to do. Yes. Um, what would you suggest? How does one learn better self-compassion? Um, certainly you've given some tangible yep. um, ideas, but is it, you know, do you take a course? Is there, do you meditate? Do you like, what would you, what would you yeah. suggest? So to learn about self-compassion itself. Um, so Dr. Kristen Neff, I would say is, is the leader in this field. She does have books written for the layperson. So okay. um, you can bury yourself in academic articles or you can, you know, read these books from your, hopefully your local bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's a good way. She's also got um, a workbook. So actual exercises in there as well. Okay. Um, and they range in the type of exercise. So if you see one that like isn't for you, if if it's a that's little okay. too, you know, touchy, <laughs> touchy-feely yeah, sure. for you, then skip that one, right? We, we don't have to throw the whole, the whole thing out. Move to another one that makes sense. Um, her website actually has a lot of this information as well. But really, it comes down to those three things, right? Yep, this is a moment of suffering. Yep. I'm not alone in this suffering. Everybody goes through this. What can I do to be kind to myself? And I think that's great that you are reminding everybody of that because I think that is something I should almost write it on the wall so that everybody can see it. And uh, I hope that I can model self-compassion here at the Vet College amazing yeah so andrea thank you so much for coming to speak to us on vet sessions my pleasure uh to our listeners thanks for joining us today uh please follow us on instagram at vet sessions if you have any questions or comments or ideas for future podcasts please contact us at vet sessions at hotmail.com see you all next time